Searching the visible, finding the invisible. This has been a great, great week. Thank you, Angela Fisher and everyone that was involved. I love this theme. In fact, I liked it so much I wanted to carry it on. And two men in our church, uh, ministering brethren in our church, are going to share this morning about 20 to 25 minutes each. And uh, we look forward to that. Would you uh, make, first of all, Michael is coming, Michael Britt, and then Todd going. Come on, Michael. God bless you as you minister. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you for the opportunity. It's so good to be with each of you, and what an honor to serve, and what an amazing opportunity to minister into so many young lives full of so much potential. Um, this was an amazing week. Um, VBS is always excited, and, and I, I think the, especially with the opportunity with the young people down the road, it was just an incredible week. Um, and thankfully, this is not something that we just can bring our kids to and then go about our business. It's something that they will in turn minister to us as well. And thank you for Pastor for bringing this home this morning and giving Brother Todd and myself an opportunity to preach the message behind this program. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, we thank, thank you, God, for all that you are. Thank you for this morning, God. Just, God, what an amazing time in worship, Lord. God, being before you, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit, God, all the more right now, God, that you would just come, God, that you would mesh, God, my spirit and Brother Todd's spirit with your Holy Spirit, God, that we'd be in one accord. God, that we would preach your word, Lord, without reservation, Lord, and that you would, God, let it find fertile ground. We thank you, Lord, for this theme, this uh, week, and every single young person, Lord, that was impacted for you. God, we pray, Lord, that this would go to a great, great harvest, Lord God, even years and years from now, Lord, that there would be unseen works, Lord, done by your hand for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So the theme of the week is galactic starveyors, and the kind of the subheading there is discovering the God of the universe. So this morning, um, I thought it at least interesting, appropriate to start off with a few facts about the universe. Um, these facts I found on uh, space.com, and I did go and, and kind of check it out. It was something that kind of has been around since 1998, since a lot of the big uh, Neville telescope announcements have been being put forth. It's one of the major journalism sites on it. Um, obviously, we know that there's lots of different views on how science and the Bible relate and the, the, my view on that is, is the Bible is first and foremost a handbook for your soul. And secondly, it can have some things to say about science and the like. So I'm just going to give you the facts as they would have them. Seven good facts about the universe. And uh, just kind of set our mind for how big this universe really is. So for one, the universe is old, really old. Uh, astronomers actually calculate this by measuring all types of energy and matter and they can approximate how old the, the universe is based on how it grows. And that's the second one. The universe is actually getting bigger. This world that we're in, not the physical world, but the larger cosmos is expanding. This has been something that Ed, Edwin Hubble first discovered back in the 1920s, and it was kind of increased as an update in uh, 1998 when they found out the growth was accelerating. So it's not only growing, but it's growing even faster and faster as time goes on. Um, this actually discovery was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize about six years ago. Fourth, they say the universe could even be flat. 
which is kind of weird to think about. They say based on the density of the earth, it could be either a closed, open, or flat universe, which kind of boggles my mind to think about. But the way that the things out there that they can measure line up, they can kind of get a picture for what, what we're actually looking at. It becomes even more confusing with the fifth fact, which the universe is filled with invisible stuff. So we see the stars, we see the planets and the galaxies, but what we actually see out there supposedly only makes up about 4% of what exists. And they say they figure that out based on gravity and the way that the forces kind of move and and impact these different um, aspects. So again, just really boggles my mind to even begin to think about this. Sixth, finally the Earth has echoes of its birth. They say that you can see kind of tinges of cosmic energy where you can kind of see echoes of, of creation in the universe. And last and not least, there may be more universes, which this is kind of hypothetical, even though they did some studies about six years ago to test this. Um, Not conclusive, but they say that from what they can know, we're definitely here. There could be other universes here as well. But the exciting part of this is when we start off this week, day one, this concept that God rules. And God created, Genesis 1-1, if you'll put that up, Kristen, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the relationship begins with this understanding that the God of the universe, not only the universe, but the God of anything that does exist or ever will exist, created. Not only you and me, but he created all that is or ever will be. And that's exciting. Amen. Amen? So the God that is above and beyond and bigger than anything we can even imagine cared enough to create you and me, to give us our kind of, our quirks, our little uniquenesses about us, and also tells us that we're made in the image of God. So that God has his fingerprint on our lives, and he has woven into us kind of a DNA of sorts that is beyond just any other animal, any other creation. One thing I do know when you look at the creation account in Genesis 1 and you see the specific times where it talks about the creation of man, is that he created mankind as the pinnacle of his creation. Everything that he creates is good. That's what it says in Genesis 1. It is created good. But last but not least, he creates mankind to be the apple of his eye, to be the one that he gives the honor to work and to govern and manage all of this other creation that he has made. That's a powerful thing. That's something that, that gives me encouragement. Sometimes the enemy will whisper things in your mind, but we know that we were created for something greater. right? We know we were created for something far beyond just what we may think about on a regular basis, what we may see on a week-to-week, nine-to-five kind of thing. There is so much more to this life, and that's found through Jesus Christ. As we continue to go forward, we see that God is many things, and I will mention a few of those briefly. Revelation four eleven, and this morning's worship was so powerful. Thank you all. So I, sometimes I'm not up there, and it's just a joy to be able to just worship and soak it in. Revelation four eleven speaks of a heavenly chorus resounding in Scripture. It says. You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So this is to say, just as we were singing earlier, blessing and honor and glory and power, all of these things we know that God 
exists in, but we're to give those back to him. We're to give him the blessing and the honor and all of the good action that, that we can put forth. We are to do them for God's glory. Amen? So, several things about God. Who is God? Obviously, God is real. We learn about God through the biblical record, and that's probably a whole sermon in itself on how the Bible is and, and, and what's that like, but we know that we have an amazing manual to not only the world, but to who the character of God is, and that's the most important thing you can ever discover. The conviction of faith is important. That's how we understand in Christ what it is that he is, how he loves us, and we have to have faith through every aspect along the way. Who is God? This is sometimes even more revealed to us by the testimony of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're visiting from another church. Maybe this is something that you come to a church every once in a while, but this Holy Spirit will speak to your life, and it can encourage you. It can confirm things. You can see the Holy Spirit operate through other believers. Those of you that had children that VBS, I pray to God the Holy Spirit will move through your kids and impact your hearts as well. The Holy Spirit, even, even in the second verse of the scripture, it said that the Holy Spirit hovered over the deep, turning chaos into order. Powerful. And so any way that God moves and God begins to impact our lives, the Holy Spirit is very much a part of that. And we're thankful for the Holy Spirit. God is living. God is personal. God is certainly spirit. God is infinite and beyond anything we can even imagine. That's what's, that's what's exciting about when you get this far out and you begin to study the, the universe and the far reaches of what exists. Or if you think about what all else may be out there, we know that God is infinite, which means God's in charge. It means that God says who to go and who to stay. He may not micromanage every little detail, but he certainly has the last say. And that gives you encouragement. That gives you encouragement for any other thing that may be out there to know that it also has to bow the knee to God Almighty. So God is not only infinite, he's eternal, he's unchanging, he's holy. That's big. you got to get that. God is holy. So if you ever come into contact with anything else that may be spiritual, may be this, may be that, may call themselves a God, are they holy and do they line up with the word of scripture? Do they line up with the word? That's how you can judge. Do they affirm the identity of Jesus Christ? God is love. We know that from 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter of the Bible. God is love. And that goes right along with holiness. That guides any action that we have. God's a God of truth. God is all the omnis, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere. And finally, we know we are to walk and live to the glory of God. The second day of VBS, we looked at the fact that the relationship was broken. All of this that I've talked about is great in theory, and we see it from the first few chapters of the Bible, but we know it's not the world we're in. Adam and Eve, the original humans that were created, we're also given an opportunity to serve God or not to serve God. They were given one command of what not to do. All this humanity and all this world that was at their fingertips, and yet one day that sneaky serpent came by, re- revealed in Revelation as the great Satan or the dragon, and things kind of got in and, and messed up the perfection. That's We see all the trauma on TV. We see the, the, the negative things that happen in the world, and we know that is because of the fall. When I was reading some of the universe uh, 
stats, one of the things said, instead of growing, maybe the universe is actually coming apart. And that just kind of started messing up my mind. I was like, wonder if sin is, wonder if there's some kind of force in the world that we can't find and can't measure. I don't know. It just kind of is, is, is something interesting to think about. But it's amazing because we know this perfect goodness is not something that we experience now. There is decay. There is death. There is corruption. And we know from the scripture that all of that is from the fall. Two trees in the garden, tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when they reached for the control, when they reached to grab on to the knowledge of good and evil and to decide for themselves what is and isn't good, things begin to unravel. And they're still unraveling. Every day, Lord willing, it's not super, you know, increased, but we become less and less strong. We become, you know, less and less able to do the things that we used to be able to do. And that's not just us. It's, it's, a, it's an aspect of all nature with the tornadoes and the, the, the tension that's in, that's in the world. Romans three twenty three says, All have fallen and fall short of the glory of God. And we can say unequivocally that every human not only is born with a sinful state, but is also culpable. They have the consequences of their own decisions. It's interesting because when you're around a lot of kids, you can see kind of this played out because, you know, we, we wish that everyone would listen, but that's just not, not the case. And even as a young, 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 young child, there are selfish tendencies that are just kind of in us. And so that's something that we can see that all have sin. Everyone falls short of this ultimate perfection that is God. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. It's interesting because when you look at that passage, it calls sin as something that has a wage. What has a wage? Work. And yet, the gift of God, the ancient word there is charisma, but the, the free gift, the free reward of Jesus Christ is this eternal life. And yet, so often, we work and we push through the immediate satisfaction of sin. Whatever, whatever seems to give me satisfaction right now, whatever seems to fill this void that seems everywhere, there's always something wanting more. There's this chaos and this the questioning of who's in control. But we know Regardless of, regardless of your viewpoint on, on life, and I know we go through seasons of some people being happy politically and some are not happy and different ones struggle for power. Some people wonder who is in control, if there's you know, anyone in control, all these kind of different things. But we know that beyond the natural, beyond what is seen, even beyond the spiritual realm to the ultimate top, God is in control. He created us for himself, and we have fallen short of that. We have fallen short of the image of God that is placed on our life. And it's still there. We just have to wrestle with a sinful nature that we all experience. Even if you're someone that you haven't been taught about this nature, it's something that's there. You can sense it. It's the tension that's in this life. There's so much that can be said, so much that I can go on. I have one story I'd like to tell you about the consequences of sin, and then I'm going to... Turn it over to Brother Todd, just to make sure that we're all okay on time. When I was a young child, probably three to five years old, I know it was before my sister was born, and 
I'm definitely old enough to walk. But we lived at a house that had a porch. And there were three exits or entrances off and onto the porch. One on either side and one on the front. One went to the driveway. One went to, towards the side of the house. It was a small yard, so there was a street on either side. And, again, I don't know exactly how old I was, but before I was in school, and my dad told me to stay on the porch. He'd be inside the house. I'm out playing with my toys, and that's, that's, that's the rule. Have fun. Stay on the porch. Well, unbeknownst to me, I thought I understood all there was to be known, obviously, at the time. And my dad is obviously a lot smarter than I am and a lot more aware than I was under the impression. And, and he said that as he was watching from inside the house, I'd be playing with my toys, and I'd be happy, and I'd start to look. And, and I'd go back to playing. And, and eventually, as time went on, I'd... I'd kind of teeter over to the side and look and and go back and play. And then eventually I'd I'd look to the other side or or, or to the front. And it just kind of went on a long period of time. And I'd play. And he said, as he was watching, all of a sudden I I would go. And not only would I go look, but I would get real close. And then I'd go back and play. And of course, you know, I think no one knows. This is, this is just what I'm doing. Just a little guy. I go over to the other side, get real close. And this went on for a long period of time. I don't know exactly how long, but eventually as time went on, not only would I stop playing to go get close, but I would one foot and step outside. And you come jump back real quick. And this happened for a long time. And it went one foot here, one foot here, the other foot, you know, and, and so I'm just, I'm just really just seeing how this operates. And it's funny because all this time went on, and I thought that I had it all figured out and, and thought that it was done in secret. But what I didn't know is that I had a father who, A, loved me, who, B, was establishing what this idea of a rule and what consequences were. But it's funny because the very first time that not only did I have one foot outside, but the other foot came he immediately walked out the door and said, Michael, come in. Time to go inside. And of course, I'm sure I was just traumatized. How could he have known? He, he came outside just at the moment where I was outside. This is so unfortunate. You know, oh my goodness. But isn't that how we are? We love to push things. Well, is this a sin? How much is a sin? And that's how we all are. And so it's just a, a cute, funny example of, of really something that probably any parent, parent has experienced to some degree. And this is just another aspect of how we are as humanity. And unfortunately, I don't have a great conclusion. I'll give it to Brother Todd. My uh, task this morning was to put Joseph into the pit. So he's going to help us dig him out. Uh, but thank you all so much. And uh, give a good hand clap for Brother Todd. Praise the Lord. Don't you appreciate Brother Michael? He is awesome. Anybody that knows me knows that I can get off a topic real easy, so I'm just going to get it out of the way right now and just go ahead and say this. I can't. I won't be able to preach if I don't say this. I, I believe clone is in a, cloning is illegal, so Christy, I don't know what you're going to do because you got your clone right beside you. This is Christy's sister. Welcome. I, I don't think we've ever met, but welcome, Christy's sister. The Brit family is very talented. If you, if you don't know the Brit family, they're special, special people. Love them very much. 
I have the pleasure of bringing day three. If we have that, great. The rest, restoration promised. When Michael was telling this story about stepping at the edge and uh, uh, testing the boundaries and getting off in sin, and do you realize that if you've never accepted Christ, you're living in sin? It's not something that I have to research. We don't have to talk about it. I don't have to take a poll. Every one of us started out as sinners. If you haven't accepted Christ as your personal Savior, you're a sinner. The the way the Bible says it is that it was passed down from Adam. That sin is not a choice. It's something that you were born into. Now, we do have a choice, and that's what we're going to talk about now. Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Can I tell you that was foretold, foretold before he was ever born? Just like a lot of things in the Bible that we read that has not come to pass yet, that came to pass and everything in the Bible will come to pass. It's not a question. It's it, time is all it takes and it will come to pass. What that timetable is, I don't know. But this came to pass. Uh, we read in Matthew, uh, the first chapter, Joseph uh, was Mary's uh, 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 fiance and found out that she was pregnant and, was, and had planned to put her away. The Bible says that uh, an angel come to Joseph in a dream and told him that this child that Mary was carrying was the child of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he told Joseph when this child's born to call the child's name Jesus, for he shall save the people from their sins. That's what was foretold. That's what happened. The scripture was fulfilled as it is always. Jesus was born. He was a perfect human being, one that was not conceived in sin, but conceived by the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that he lived a, a life and he did not sin. And this is going to lead us right in today, number four. But before we get there, I hope she didn't. Oh, sorry. We'll keep it up there. That's fine. That's fine. I told you. Yeah, I, I move fast. The, the, the thing is, he lived 33 years and he didn't sin. He lived his life on purpose, come from God. He was the Savior born of a virgin. You have to believe that. That's, that's, that's important. He wasn't like any other person that's ever been born. Every other person other than Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve was created and then we, we were born. You were born. If you're sitting here right now, you were born. And you were conceived in sin. Christ was not. He was different. And as Michael gave the story about his stepping off the porch, I, I seen, visualized how it was when I was a kid. And I would get into trouble. And nobody had to teach me. I didn't take a class on getting in trouble. And you probably didn't either. <laughs> you probably knew how to get in trouble without anybody telling you how to get into trouble. I remember having, and this is horrible, because this was my house and I had to pay for the glass, but... We had a glass window and I had a rock. Those things seemed to match. It seemed to make, it seemed to make sense to throw the rock at the glass. And in fact, it did uh, uh, make a big impact on the glass and my rear end. 
um, so so my 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 vision or what I've seen in here was a a pane of glass here, and every one of us have rocks. Now you're a lot more mature now. You probably wouldn't throw the rock, but when you were a kid, would you have thrown the rock? Yeah. And you know what? That's simple and that's that's kind of petty, but it, it speaks to this: we were all conceived in sin. And if we broke that glass, we're in this room. Every one of us threw a rock at the glass, and it broke. And the owner of the glass came in the room, and and we found out the owner's here. What would you do? Most likely, likely you'd run and hide because of, of shame and guilt. And I remember when I broke that glass, I did. I ran and hid when I found out that I was in trouble. And I've had people tell me about God and their relationship with God. They said, if God was here, I'd run and hide. You better run and hide. Can I tell you, if you have a father, an earthly father that loves you, a good earthly father, it's like Christy said one time. She remembers climbing up in her daddy's lap. That's how God is. God's a loving God. He didn't send Jesus by accident. He didn't send Jesus and and have this plan by accident. He did it because he loves you and he loves me. Completely, 100% love. And, and, and we don't have to run and hide because he is searching us just like when we look at the stars back here. Do you see the Jesus in the stars? You see it outlined in the back kind of faintly? We, we search for that sometimes. We try to make something out of the stars. Can I tell you, Jesus is searching for you today. No matter where you are in your walk with him, maybe you don't even know him. He's searching for you today. He desires that close relationship, that intimate relationship with you. No matter where you are, no matter what you've done, he made this plan for you. And then we we come to day four. Jesus gave his life so we have the the relationship restored. Jesus gave his life as my Savior. He gave his life as your Savior. Mark 16 and 6 says, And he said unto them, Be not afraid, affrightened. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. That was the results of God raising Jesus from the dead. Before that, Jesus was beat. And I'm not talking about just a regular beating. If you or I, either one, would be beat the way he was beat, we probably wouldn't be able to live probably wouldn't be able to take it they pressed a crown of thorns on his head they they plucked out his beard and spit on him they placed the cross upon his back and marched him up that hill when he got to, to the top of the hill they laid him on the cross and nailed spikes in his hands and in his feet they put him up on that cross a shameful place meant for a a crook a thief Meant for somebody other than Jesus. Somebody sinful. Really, it was meant for me and you. That cross was my cross. That cross was your cross. Understand that the penalty for sin is death. And he took that cross and he did all that for me and you. The Bible says he died. After he was, they, they, they speared him in the side. Did all these horrible things, he died. When he came down from the cross, they put him in a, in, a, in a borrowed tomb and rolled the stone in front. All hope was lost. 
There, were, there was no hope left. But I thank God that wasn't the end of the story. I serve a God that's bigger than death. Come on, somebody. I serve a God who, when, when it seems like the, the, the door has been shut, God says, just hold on. I'm still on the scene. The Bible says that stone was rolled away. And Jesus was raised from the dead. The relationship was restored. There was a veil that was ripped. Signifying that now there's no separation between me and my God. There is a connection that is only found in Jesus Christ and his blood. The forgiveness that we get from him. And we know from him. This is what happened. That veil was rent from top to bottom. And now I enter a close, intimate relationship with my God. And you have that same thing. Yeah, we've, we've broken some glass. We've, we've made mistakes. We've lived in sin. Sin has controlled us and ruled us. We've been in bondage. I don't preach to you. I know where I come from. I know what it feels like to have the weight on your chest where you don't even feel like you can breathe. It, it feels like you're being led by sin. And in fact, you are. But I thank God that that coming and that death gave me a way to be restored. He restored that relationship. That's what he did. The scripture tells about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what a glorious, glorious account that is. If you'll go to day five. And and before I close, I just want to wrap it up with where we were with the kids this week. The relationship continues. Even though we mess up, God loves me and will never leave me. That's for the ones who have made that confession but may have slipped. The ones who have been away but don't want to stay away but don't know how to come back. God said, with arms wide open, come back. John 21 and 15 says this. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my sheep. He said unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, love thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, loveth thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto you, when thou was young, thou girdest thyself and walketh whether thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands and another shall gird thee and carry thee, whether thou wouldest not. This sake he signified by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, follow me. Can I tell you, Simon, just days before, had denied Christ. How he must have felt. He walked with him, he talked with him. He was bold. He was the bold disciple. He was ready to follow him to death. And he denied Christ three times. 
And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? You know what he was really saying there? I forgive you. He was saying, we're, we're, we're good. We're, we're good. He's saying, we're close. He's saying, if you love me, follow me. And that's what we have. That's the charge this morning. If you love him, if you love him, you'll follow. So the relationship continues. God has provided the sacrifice. He's given us the way. But there's something left. The sacrifice is awesome. It's, it's, it's full. It's, the fullness is there. But you have to act. The Holy Spirit convicts our hearts. The Holy Spirit draws us. But if you don't answer, that's on you. It's like having the resources you need right here, and I have it on the stage. And I like to think of it as a thirsty person, somebody who's walked days and days with nothing to drink. And they come in and sit down, and we have a table with water. And I say, come and drink. It's free. You don't have to have money. Just come take of the water. And though he be thirsty, he don't step out or she don't step out. Are you thirsty this morning? Do you need a drink? The Bible says if you drink from this well that he provides, you'll never thirst again. Will you, will you drink from that well this morning? Will you be real? Will you be, will you be attentive to God's call? This is just another service to some. And I'm glad you're here. Don't take, don't, don't take me wrong. But will you be attentive to his call? I would ask the, the praise team if you would come. I thought about, in my lesson this week, how we talked about when the disciples were throwing the net out for the fish. And I couldn't help but to think of this service. How God has a net around this service. And it's not a net of, of constriction, but a net of love. He has wrapped his arms around the people with this sanctuary in this sanctuary and he loves each and every one of us with no exception he loves you and this is what you have to do you have to accept that love life gets heavy life gets tough life gets unbearable at times things don't sometimes feel fair but I can tell you this if you got God and you live for him life is a whole lot easier it's a whole lot lighter you got a future because some live for this life and when they die, that's it. They feel like that's it. I'm going to be in the ground, so I'm going to have all the fun I'm going to have on this side. But I'm going to tell you right now that this isn't the end. This is not the end. When we, when we take our last breath, and everybody here will, we are either going to go to heaven or we're going to go to hell. I don't want none to go to hell. God loved us so much. He said, I don't want you to go to hell. Even though you deserve it, even though I deserve it, I don't want you to go to hell. I've made a way where now the, your penalty has been paid. Come on, somebody. Your penalty has been paid. Your penalty has been paid. Thank you, Jesus. Now you have to accept that. I would that we, we would do something a little outside of the norm. Could I get some church leaders, the ones who are the leaders of this church. Would you come and stand and face the congregation? Sometimes it's hard to step out. Sometimes it's hard to step out because you're saying, who am I stepping out to? I don't, I don't want to go up there alone. But as they sing this song, I want you to see these loving, smiling faces. 
And, and I want you to see this. They have the love of Christ in their heart. When you step out and walk up to the front, ask them to pray with you. They'll receive you. This was a simple VBS message, but I can tell you it changed my life. And it changed a lot of kids' lives too. But you know what? God's not done with this message. God said he wants to change your life. If you're carrying something heavy and you can't bear it, today's your day. But you have to come and receive it. The water's here. Will you drink?